Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, now we are here doing a Crystal Palace season review. Joining us is Jay, uh, who you may know over from the Eagles Beak, uh, at the Eagles Beak on Twitter. He also hosts the Meridian Sports Show on Meridian FM. Um, Jay, absolute pleasure to have you back on. Uh, we're going to start off with the most recent occurrence, which was the 2-0 win over West Brom. What was your view of that match? Hello, Kev. Great to be back on the podcast. Um, yeah, end of the season, both teams had nothing to play for. Really. I no, that's a lie, actually, because Palace had a chance of finishing 10th in the table, which is incredible considering where we came from. Um uh, West Brom obviously came to Sellhurst, already relegated, unfortunately. Um, and, and a shout out to, to Dan from uh, uh, formerly Baggies Facts uh, website. We started this podcast a fair time ago uh, at the same time, and it's a shame to see West Brom go. Mm. Um, it's probably one of the clubs that uh, we have a lot of time for actually uh, on the podcast, and both you know interacting with um, West Brom fans through the Eagles Beak as well. So uh, a lot of people have party sympathies. Yeah, well, there were actually during the game there was a few uh, Pulis and Pardew uh, songs, which uh, which both sets of fans joined in with, which was uh, uh, which was quite um, yeah quite funny. You know, what football fans' uh, humour is like it's uh, a little bit different to, to most people, but that was uh, that was uh, that was a, that was a funny touch. Um, but as for the game, I mean, Palace took a while to kind of uh, break down a. A stubborn West Brom side. They've been playing well, uh, really under their caretaker boss uh, Darren Moore. Um, interesting to see if they they do appoint him, uh, you know, for their championship campaign for next season. Um, I think I could probably do a lot worse as they as I've known before. Um, but Palace kind of kept going, played some really good football. I mean, the squad of players that we've had this season are, are a talented bunch, and uh, and Loftus Cheek once again played very well. The last three or four games since he's come back from injury, he's really set the tone. Um, and obviously he's been rewarded with a call-up to the England squad today, which t- t- for me, watching Rotten Cheek play this season, um, unfortunately had a, a large time out injury, but we know from his debut against Germany in that friendly at Wembley um, that he got man a match and, and really gave something England something a little bit different. And we've seen that from him. Uh, he did this in this game against West Brom. He um, is a strong player, very skillful, play, plays with a ball very close to his feet and, and, and doesn't lose it very often and kind of glides past two or three players and makes up ground very quickly, which is which is a real real bonus for a team like Palace and obviously to, well, to any team really. Um, whether we'll actually have a chance to sign him across the summer, I probably unlikely. I think he's going back to Chelsea to 
uh, potentially have a chance of getting that side. And there's no reason they could have done with him this season, to be honest. But it was, it's been great to have Loftus Cheek with us. Just unfortunately, we missed a, a fair bit of time. But um, we're, with him linking up very well with Wilf Zaha, as usual, also Andros Townsend in the midfield with MacArthur and Kambai. We really turned on a style and ended up winning 2 0 against the. Yeah, West Brom side, uh, you know, obviously already relegated, a bit down in their luck as well, but um, been playing well recently, got some good results. But uh, great atmosphere for uh, the Palace fans, really uh, celebrated uh, Roy Hodgson, obviously being a local local lad um, and coming in to do a real job for us. And there's a real connection there. And it's a bit more of a, it's a kind of a celebration after what's been a long, stressful uh, stressful season, but we will come on to that. But yeah, a really good performance to sign out for uh, for the summer and a job well done by both Hodgson management staff and also uh, the players as well. Yeah, on the season, you actually end up in 11th, only on goal difference. You end up on the same level of points as Newcastle uh, with 44, which mm-hmm. is incredible considering your struggles at the beginning of the season. Um, what happened with the Frank de Boer experiment, obviously bringing in uh, Hodgson, but then you also face one of the most intense injury crises I've ever seen in any sport. Uh, let, let's focus on that, that last one first here. Just what was that like kind of suffering through that as multiple players suffered long-standing injuries all around the same time? Frustrating. I mean, we had a chat on the on the podcast before we played uh, you guys, and uh, we were going into that game with, I think it was about 13 um, squad players out injured. I, I mean, I say squad players. We're talking about players that could start in the first team legitimately, um, and that included uh, uh, a partially fit goalkeeper who had a back spasm before in in the week leading up to the game. I mean, starting the season like we did, and then going into what was. Um, I mean, I think Roy Hodgson explained it as the worst injury crisis he's experienced in his management career, and, and obviously. Goodness, that's such a long management career, isn't it? Um, somebody of his uh, calibre and, and length in the game saying something like that really does say an awful lot. We did have a similar injury crisis a few years ago under Alan Pardew, which um, which was a lot more to do with strains and, and muscle fatigue and things like that. But the injuries we suffered this year, majority of them were impact injuries. They and broken ankles, knee injuries. You know, they weren't hamstring pulls or groin pulls they were significant injuries and it, it, it proved difficult at some points to uh to see where we we're going to go or where we we're going to come back from you know suffering you know uh losses like that um, and obviously at the same time losing games uh, but on the flip side you know it has given us one real shining light from this season is Aaron Wan-Bissaka who made his debut uh, for Palace sheer, through sheer not having amount of numbers um, to, to turn out um, and it's great to have a youth player actually come through and um, and do what he's done and I think going into next season he's going to be the real shining light that we'll take from this season Yeah I want to uh, stick on Zaha um, who clearly was a massive factor for you this season I mm. think it ended the year still that you did not win a match without him unless I missed yeah. the results somewhere um, he did end up playing up front a lot due to Benteke's issues and we'll get to him in a second um, but for Wilfred Zaha what do you think his best role is at Crystal Palace, and are you confident that he will remain at the club through the summer? I think Roy deserves. Um, I mean, he's been a lot of plaudits have been sent Roy's way um, during this season, obviously during his campaign and, and the Sinus climb up the table. But I think one of the one of the things that he has done is kind of um, give Zaha a bit more of a free reign. Now, normally managers were seeing him as a winger, out and out winger, target the touchline. You know, do that role, skillful player, up and down touchline, 
and pinging the crosses. Under Hodgson, he's kind of been used a little bit differently in that not to be that player that hugs the touchdown all the time, give him a bit more freedom to come inside. Um, and we've seen that through the goals he scored this season. I mean, he scored one uh, against West Ham where he cut inside and, and beat a couple of players and slotted it in, and it was injury time and it sent the crowd into pandemonium. But that is just what um, Zaha can do. Um, obviously, he had that ill-fated stint at United. Personally, it's too early in his career to uh, for him to go and... Um, you know, be a success at United. It's just unfortunate, I think, combination of things. You know, Alex Ferguson signed him, then retired. Um, and it's a well-known fact that Zaha was Ferguson's last signing before um, before he actually retired. And obviously, you know, David Moyes inherited him and it didn't work out from there. We're seeing the best we've ever seen from Wilf. He's kind of grown into um, a player that we always hoped he would be. Um, we're thankful that we got him back from United at a point that we did. Um, he looked a very different player when he came back from United, a very um, uh, yeah, real loss loss of confidence, and it took him a while to kind of get that back. But he's that sort of player that will excel in the role he's in at the moment, a big fish in a small pond. Whether he will be tempted to go and do that somewhere else, uh, another big club like United, it, it remains to be seen. But for us this season, he's been invaluable. And, and as you rightly said, Kev, he's, we've not actually won a game when he's not played and he's, and he's had two spells out injured. Uh, obviously, it didn't help Frank the ball, uh, him being injured in the Huddersfield game, the first game of the season. He missed the following four or five games. And then there was a stint later on in the season where he was one of those 13 players that were injured uh, at a certain point in time. So we have relied on him an awful lot. But on the flip side, him playing in our side does take a lot of players out of the other team because a lot of time you see two or three players on him and it does give the other players a freedom to be able to do what they want to do um, without so much of the attention that Wilf gets. Um, he's, he's been incredible. Um, player of the season, I, I, I would say by far. It, <clears throat> this season it's not quite as by far as last season because uh, Luka uh, Milivojevic has been absolutely superb for us in midfield this season. Uh, obviously, as well, you know, Kevy's been a great fancy option for people um, scoring <laughs> goals, <clears throat> both from the spot and, uh, uh, you know, from uh, from free play as well. But um, <clears throat> Wilf has been absolutely fantastic. It, like I say, he's, he's in the best form of his life. It's just a real shame that we're not going to see him at the World Cup, um, either for England or Ivory Coast, who he's chosen to play for now, really. I think England could have really done with a with a player of, of his calibre. Um, is in the same mould as, as, as Raheem Sterling. Um, perhaps I, I, I would be bold enough to say that uh, he's better than Sterling. I really would. Uh, just from seeing Wilf week in, week out, and doing what, seeing what he does, um, and the close attention he has, like a lot of uh, you know the popular players in the Premier League. I think he is that player, that one player outside outside the top six that a lot of teams will be looking at in the summer and. Uh, Hopefully we'll be able to keep him. And he's saying all the right things, but you just never know in football, do you? You really don't. But just praying that he stays for at least another season um, and we can we can build on what we've achieved, um, you know, in terms of a finish under Roy and, and go forward for next season. That is quite a shout saying that Zaha is better than Sterling. But either way, England certainly could have used both of them had they not kind of messed mm. around with Zaha. Um, during his development cycle. Uh, as we mentioned, he did play up front some at the uh, detriment of Christian Benteke, although it was <laughs> Benteke's detriment to the team somewhat that opened that spot up for Zaha. Uh, curious as to hear what you made of Benteke's season and if you think there's more value in keeping him or potentially selling him. I had a poor season. 
Um, there's probably a lot of reasons behind uh, why he's had a poor season. One, I don't think we used him as we should use him. Um, a lot of the time we were finding that we weren't putting the ball onto his head in the box. Um, he's a good player, you know, with the ball at his feet as well. But, you know, his strength is getting the ball in, in, in the box at head height and, and he will um, no doubt finish it. He had a real drop of confidence when he clearly wasn't scoring the goals. I think he's actually only scored four goals this season. Um, real crisis of confidence. And to be honest, at a point in the season, we only had one striker and it was him. I think a lot of teams would have dropped him and uh, and tried something different. And and the fact that Roy did actually do that, uh, drop Benteke and chose not to play a recognised striker, um, kind of helped us get out of, or continue to help us get out of position. Uh, we were in by playing Townsend and Zaha as not so much a front two, but kind of, I guess it's been called a false nine, but it, it wasn't quite that much because we were playing with a, one of Townsend and Zaha um, up higher, but it, they were switching an awful lot and, and defences didn't know what to do. As as centre-backs, they always want to be marking a player and knowing who that player is going to be, but the way Wilf and uh, and Andros were playing is that they were they, they were switching around all the time and, and, and really giving defenders a, a headache. There were a couple of games where we were found out a little bit and, and that wasn't quite so effective. But as the season second half of the season went on particularly, it was clear that Benteke was just not in the right mindset. He really wasn't getting... The, 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 I mean, as a striker, we see it all the time that you just need a bit of luck in front of sometimes and um, it, that that never really came as the season went on and, and it's I, I think it's I think it's disappointing from both his perspective because it's you know it's a season leaning into World Cup uh, it remains to be seen if he gets into the Belgian squad I think he probably will by default um, due to um, Batshuayi I believe is injured so um, maybe that'll be a good thing for us whether he goes in the summer it's a good question do I want him to go I've been asked that question a few times um, I I I, I can't believe he would have a, have a season like he has. Again, I, I really don't. He's a, he's a striker. He's a natural goal scorer, uh, regardless of what we've seen this season. Um, I understand we had some interest from China in the January transfer window. Uh, the fact that we only had one striker at that point in time, it would have been absurd to, to, to sell him at that point, even though a lot of fans were calling for him to go. Um, I, he's one of these strikers who I think needs a bit of help both mentally and, and not so much physically because he still puts himself about he's still had had an impact in games where he's uh, I mean a great assist for the for the goal for the second goal at Stoke um, sorry the first goal at Stoke uh, the penultimate game of the season um, so he, it's not as if he hasn't been of any use he just hasn't been on the score sheet and where you would expect him to be and really hasn't had that luck Um Fans have been highly critical because of his price tag. I mean, I think we paid £32 million, uh, in the end for him. And, uh, you know, you'd expect a player of, you know, with that price tag to be scoring goals. But, you know, let's face facts, he hasn't, he hasn't asked for that price tag. He's a top-class striker. He will come good at some point. I, I'm kind of hoping that we, you know, we stick with him for next season. You know, we've hodged in charge, arm round him a little bit, as he's done a fair bit this season, uh, and maybe just add, to our options for next season so we do have the opportunity to drop him if he's not playing very well the likelihood is that I, I, we may well cash in if we have an offer for him um, but personally I, I I think I'm probably one of few that would like to see him stay because he scored 17 goals for us last season he, he will he will score goals again uh, and I can't believe he'll have another poor season like, like this season really um, just add to the options up front uh, which was really our downfall. If you've got an out-of-form striker, you need somebody else to come in and provide that competition, which we just didn't have.
Yeah, you did bring in uh, Sorloth as well as a couple other names that not many people were familiar with in January. How did they get on at the club? Um, yes, Sorloth had a couple of games. I think it's a massive step up from where he was uh, in Norway. Um, the Premier League is a, a big guy, very very skillful for, for a big guy. Again, similar mold to Benteke in a way, similar height. Uh, we played him out wide a fair bit, a wide of a front three, really, so not, not hugging a touchline as such. Um, we didn't really play him to perhaps his potential. He had one great chance, I can't remember who it was against, uh, where the ball just didn't kind of hold up for him too much, but he was in on goal and, it, uh, and the keeper came out. Um, I, I think he's uh, he's going to be um, a decent striker in the Premier League, whether he's a striker that we perhaps need, or we probably needed him to hit the ground running when he joined us is quick he, he he gets stuck in puts himself about but um I could, did he score a goal for us i don't think he did or did he score one i can't remember i don't think he did um but really we needed somebody perhaps of a bit more premier league uh, experience perhaps but you know that's the sort of signing that Roy Hodgson has uh, has come good for Roy Hodgson in the past at different clubs that he's been at, particularly West Brom and and and, and more to the point Fulham, um, by bringing in players from uh, from other countries because you know the price tags in this country are, are absolutely ridiculous. I think there's a price tag handed on one of the Championship players the other day at some ridiculous amount of money, um, and just because it's you know other clubs know that the Premier League. Clubs have a lot of money because of the TV TV rights, and uh, you know they feel like they can command you know larger fees because of that. So I think Roy's right; he will probably be doing something quite similar this summer. Uh, Whether Sola, I think probably the pressure at the time to, to find somebody to score goals when Benteke wasn't doing it was probably a, a little bit uh, too much. You know, somebody of an unknown quantity like Solov as he was, um, obviously has scored goals uh, where he's been before, but um, different level completely. So. Um, It'd be a good addition to the squad, and obviously people are forgetting that Conor Wickham's been out injured for, for almost two years now, uh, 18 months to, 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 to two years. So he'll be like a new signing, whether he comes back um, anything like the player he was before, hopefully um, he'll be like a new signing. So um, I would say if we keep those three and, and get another striker in, we'll have options next season, which we really didn't have this season, which didn't help us. Yeah, especially during that injury crisis, although as you mm. mentioned, um, he was one of the uh, ones affected by it. Yeah. Um, uh, we uh, alluded to it earlier, um, how roughly the season started and then Hodgson obviously turned things around. Uh, was mm. that proverbially just throwing his arm around the players or was there something tactically that he did to kind of get the best out of this team? I think it, it took time. Uh, it wasn't an immediate, you know, as we've seen with other clubs in the Premier League, there, you know, this Premier League, man- the new manager bounce has happened for, for different, uh, namely Swansea, it, it, it started, but obviously didn't uh, didn't uh, save them ultimately. Um, but we didn't have that with Hodgson. We, we never really saw it with managers before, particularly Allardyce and, and Pardew. We never saw that bounce. We, it was a slow process. We we obviously saw the end of Frank de Boer after the 1-0 defeat away at Burnley, which, to be fair, I have to say, the players did everything they could in that game. I think we had 28 efforts on goal in that game. Uh, how we lost the game is is beyond me, but you know, perhaps looking back, uh, it's a uh, saving grace that that result did happen. Uh, and obviously, Roy Hodgson came in for the game afterwards, which was Southampton at home. We lost one nil Southampton in that game, which you know Hodgson being appointed during that week, you know, is difficult to you know kind of make have an impact 
Um, we've seen it before, the new manager bounced trying to impress manager. And, and it was a better performance, but ultimately didn't uh, get any points. And, and we went, we ended uh, after that game. That was our fifth game, so five games without a win. Then we faced um, a, a consecutive week's uh, trips to Manchester. <laughs> so exactly not what you need uh, when you're in a bad run of form. So we, we lost heavily to Manchester United and then heavily to, to Manchester City. That was seven games, no goals, no wins. Um, and obviously Hodgson have been in charge for three of those games and a lot of fans are thinking mm, it's it's continuing like it was under the ball. Um, but after that, you know, we're going into a game uh, against Chelsea. Nobody expects us to get anything from this game. So I think a lot of people are expecting eight games without a win and then we'll try and kick on from there and pick up points. A lot of people had us down at that point. Um, but we, we pulled it out of the bag in that, against Chelsea. Um, got a surprise win, um, courtesy of an own goal and Will Saha scoring the winner. And we kind of didn't look back from there, really. It wasn't plain sailing. It wasn't, you know, all the way up from that point because obviously we're we're in a position where, you know, we had to play catch up a fair bit. But I think we can count ourselves a little bit lucky that the quality in the Premier League perhaps hasn't been like it has been in previous years. Otherwise, we could have been a fair bit adrift at that point. Um, so yeah, I think we can probably thank us, you know, thank our lucky stars a little bit that we weren't adrift by a huge margin. I think Bournemouth were only a couple of points above us, even though. You know, the, the media news was all about Palace being bottom of the table with no points. But, yeah, after that Chelsea game, they you know, started seeing some improvement. Um, I think one of the, the gripes that Palace fans seemed to have was Roy Hodgson didn't really make a lot of substitutions, whether it be tactically or whether it's kind of to prove a point that we, we had a, a fairly thin squad of players and, and options from the bench were uh, were limited, really, just in terms of what impact those players on the bench could have and, and whether they were... Even even Premier League quality, so you know there could be a mixture there um, in terms of you know the the reluctance to do such a thing. But um, but yeah, that that Chelsea win was kind of you know gave us uh, a fair bit of um, positivity and uh, thinking actually you know we if we go on a run of games that we could do this and and we did soon after that we we had a run of uh, fixtures which were uh, kind to us in a way that we you know we I think that first eight games we played five out of top six. Uh, teams um, so yeah it was a tough start um, but we started pulling ourselves out of it and we got to a point when we got to Christmas where we ended up hosting Manchester City who hadn't dropped a point all season I think and uh, we held them to a nil-nil draw and that was kind of a another uh, another shot on the arm as such and uh, to allow us to push on into the new year. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. 
That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, you obviously did a fantastic job. Um, as you look forward a little bit to the summer, uh, by the time this is out, the transfer window may actually be open. Um, <laughs> which uh, players that are currently at, the, at this club do you think might be heading out and, and what positions do you think you'll be filling? I have to say, um, Palace fans uh, had a lot to uh, thank Damien Delaney for, who um, leaves the club in the summer. Uh, one of the players that came up with us, and it's it, it's a really nice story actually about Damien Delaney. If, if fans don't know that he was he was considering quitting football when he was at Ipswich, had his contract cancelled, then he joined Palace, and kind of the rest is history because we were promoted at the end of that season, and uh, he was one of the one of the real stars of that promotion season. Uh, Centre back, really. Uh, got stuck in and uh, and we thought at that point he's going to be one of those players which maybe the step up to the Premier League is, is beyond him um, but to be fair you know, the first two or three seasons of the Premier League but even longer than that um, he held his own I mean a number of times I think a couple of games against Chelsea remember um, he, he, he marked Diego Costa out of the game on, on a couple of occasions and uh, you know, and even similar calibre strikers as well when you kind of think actually you know you don't actually need pace you know you just got uh, you know, a bit of a, a footballing brain, and even as a centre back, you know, you can you can read the game well. And um, it, always known for the way he could block a ball, it just seemed to be just be able to um, be in the right place at the right time to actually do one of those uh, uh, throw yourself at the ball blocks, which uh, became a bit of a trademark for him. But um, it's a shame to see him go. But obviously, age is caught out of him, and uh, you know, we 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 bid our form farewells at the weekend. So. Other players from the squad, there's a question mark over Johan Kabay. Personally, I'd rather see him stay. He's an absolute class player in our midfield, and we miss him when he doesn't play. Um, we've struggled with him a little bit in terms of him being able to make uh, complete a whole 90 minutes, but towards the end of the season, he was doing that. And there's a lot of talk. I mean, he's even been seen in Marseille tonight for the Europa League final. Um, obviously, Marseille, uh, I believe, has got... Uh, uh, he's a he's a guest at the game more than uh, the Twitter meltdown which has happened tonight about him leaving the club. Um, we know that he's in talks over a new contract, um, and we're praying that he does stick around because he's he's one of those players that really makes a difference in the midfield. He's not you know he's not one of those players that shine like uh, that Zaha does you know to that extent, um, but he he just does those things in the midfield that not many other people can do of. Um, you know, have a quality in, in in a Palace squad, and we've got a great squad of players. However, it, he just he, he just does what you expect to you know a, a world class player to do, and he does it with these, which um, you know it, it, it doesn't become you know, it becomes difficult to some players. Um, elsewhere, Joel Ward is uh, in discussion with a new contract. To be fair, don't think Joel Ward's going to be a starter next season for us. A right back slot, I think, is going to be Aaron Wembasaka, who is uh, the youth player that's came through the ranks, and he. He's had he played six or seven games, and I think his first four games were against the top four, uh, and he he was exceptional in those games. Um, so it's great to have that find. Um, obviously, lone players. Fosu Mensah goes back to United. Didn't really get much of a look in towards the end of the season because of uh, Wan Bissaka uh, breaking through into the first team. Um, but he he had his he, he had his uh, moments during the season, and we wish him well uh, on his way back to hopefully he gets. Breaks her into United's side, and obviously the other player on loan was Lost's Cheek, who um, obviously has been caught up to the England squad today, which is fantastic news for him and uh, great for us as well, because obviously it's you know we've seen him playing well all season. It'd be great if we could 
come to some sort of arrangement with Chelsea to to have him back at the Palace, even on loan again or, or or even permanently. But I think I think his intentions are that he wants to get into this Chelsea squad, and you know, there's no reason why he can't get into this Chelsea squad uh, with the way they finish the season. So uh, so so good luck to him. Um, elsewhere, obviously there's a question mark about Menteke. He may uh, may go elsewhere, but um, I think that's probably in terms of um, potential losses. Uh, pretty much it. Um, obviously, Zaha always speculation about Zaha. Every summer we have the same speculation. We'll expect more so this summer because obviously what a fantastic season he's had, probably his best season in the Premier League. Um, and obviously, he scored goals as well, which everyone wants a player that scores goals in that position. So, um, fingers crossed we can hold on to him. Like I said earlier, he's saying all the right things. Um, whether he stays remains to be seen, but fingers crossed. Um, you know, he's a he's a Palace man at heart. Hopefully we can tug at those heartstrings a little bit and we can get another season at least out of him. But wouldn't begrudge him if he moved on for sure because um, absolute class player and uh, probably the best player outside the top six at the moment. All right then, looking a little further past this summer, um, there's been talk of uh, new stadium developments at Crystal mm. Palace. I I'm, myself am not super familiar with it, but what's going on on that front? Yeah, massive developments. I mean, a lot of clubs do do look to to move elsewhere and, and build a brand new stadium. But Palace have um, obviously they they've spent a few years looking at the potential options, but they've actually looked to redevelop Sellers Park, um, which is uh, which is going to create a brand new era for Palace. And and obviously, people that have been to Sellers Park, we know that away fans aren't particularly keen on it. But some have actually said that it's a proper old style ground, close to the pitch. The fans are noisy, as we are most games. I think that's one thing that's really missing from the Premier League is is fans that you know really do make a noise. Um, but it's it's the main stand. It's it's a, it's a development which is going to cost between seventy five and one hundred million, and it's actually going to cr- increase the capacity of the ground from twenty six thousand uh, to to just over thirty four thousand. So it's going to overhaul the stadium. And we've been at Celeste since nineteen twenty four. So you know it, it, it it's our home. It's a place that uh, you know fans are familiar with, and it'll be a real wrench to leave. Um, the main part of the whole development is going to be a five-story stand, which is the main stand. It's going to be an all-glass front, and it's it's kind of been designed with the old Crystal Palace in in mind. So the old Crystal Palace, if people don't know, was um, a, a, just a massive palace which was built not far away from the grounds. Um, just made of glass. It was burnt down. Uh, it, I, I can't remember the whole story, but it was burnt down, um, which which is the reason why it isn't there anymore. But it's a massive palace uh, made of glass, um, built in. The, I can't remember how far back it was built, but it obviously gives the name the name to the area and obviously palace as well. Um, so it, it, it's got a lot of um, historical reference in terms of the way it's been designed. Um, and it's it's going to be fantastic. I mean, like I say, five story. Uh, obviously, there's a lot uh, around the um, you know the, the the business side, the entertainment side, the catering side, and obviously to to improve facilities at, at the club. Um, we we have looked at redeveloping the ground before, but the council haven't really been on Palace's side. But um, there's been a lot of redevelopment in the area over the last few years, and and that's probably a lot to do with the fact that you know Palace have kind of jumped on that. Uh, on the back of that and kind of thought well let's 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 try and get some planning through uh to do this and obviously you know funds as well uh with the addition of the uh the the, the two american owners uh coming into the ground and obviously helping because i know for a fact following american sport that their 
both those two owners and the franchises they own in, in the States are big on the fan experience mm. and, um, and it's been done at, uh, at their franchises as well. So while perhaps uh, the, you know, the, the teams have taken a little bit of a hit in terms of finance, that the, the actual experience for the fans is, is very good. And that's not what it's all about. Cause obviously you want a successful side um, at, at the top of uh, top of the, uh, the sport um, as well as having that decent stadium, so fingers crossed we can we can stick around for the unveiling in a, in a couple of years. Uh, still a Premier League side, but obviously, I think a lot of fans are exceptionally pleased with this because it is kind of a legacy from our from our term in the Premier League. It would be a travesty to to be relegated in the Premier League and not have anything to show for it, other than you know the memories of being in the Premier League and uh, you know a few changes here and there around the ground. This will be exactly that. Um, it's the longest stay we've had in the Premier League. We're, we're just entering, we're going to be entering next season, our sixth consecutive season in the Premier League. And, um, you know, that's that's a club record. So it, it's going to be great looking forward, um, you know, to this being developed and, and, and to it being unveiled. It's, it's going to be a real uh, a real addition to the club and uh, obviously um, set us into a new era, hopefully. Cool. It sounds like the future is bright for Crystal Palace. Um, if people would like to keep updates on that, where can they find you? Yeah, we'll head on over to the website, theeaglesbeak.com is where we are. We, we haven't actually got an article online about the uh, stay and development yet. It's something we thought we'd leave to the summer with what with the season ending thick and fast with the games uh, coming at us. But um, we're on Twitter. We're always active on Twitter. So we're, we're always chat to opposition fans, our own fans. And we'll be active all the way through the summer uh, with the World Cup as well. So you can get us on Twitter at theeaglesbeak. All right, thanks so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure as always. Great having you on throughout the season, and I'm sure we'll speak soon. Cheers, Kev. Thanks very much. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.